Well, uh, good morning, everybody. I hope you're prepared. Two, can you hear me okay? I know what that's like. And uh, this is a, a brand new series. If you're here for the first time, we're starting a brand new series called Prepared. And I don't know if you've ever been in that situation where you're on the spot and you realize, man, I am not ready for this. Uh, in fact, let me just go ahead and make a confession here. One of my worst nightmares as, as a, a, a preacher uh, is not to be ready on Sunday and I'm up here and I don't have any notes or I didn't prepare. And that, that is a nightmare for me. Literally, I wake up in the middle of the night and have that going on. But if you're here, uh, we're going to be talking about something that's really, really important uh, and and. We're going to be talking about, you know, during the holiday season, it's coming up Thanksgiving and all that. And, and I don't know if you've ever had this situation, maybe at work, uh, maybe at school, for some of you guys in school, you know, where, where people ask you these questions, like, do you really believe everything that's in the Bible? Are, are, you, one of those, are you one of those Christians, you know, one of those people that go to church all the time? And, and so we're going to be doing this series about being prepared for, for times like that. And there's, these are people that don't want to necessarily have a, a conversation, but they, they kind of do these hit and runs. You know what I mean? Or they, they do a drive-by uh, commentary. You know, and, and what about Genesis? Uh, was it really six days? I mean, really? You know, and, and sometimes you're kind of caught off guard and you don't know what to say. So this whole series... Is, is about that. And if you're a guest here, if you're not a Christian, uh, I want to say this is a great day for you to be here because you get to see uh, maybe one of the reasons why, you know, you think Christians are odd. And, and you know, maybe this will explain it to you. Uh, but for those of us who are Christians, uh, I'm going to help you have a, an understanding of how to handle those situations. So here's kind of the overhanging thought of, of the series. Uh, defending your faith without losing your mind. Okay, defending your faith without losing your mind. And, and all of us, are, we get put in those positions sometimes when people, especially with family, right? And, and you just, you know, that's some, some of us don't even like to go home for, for Christmas because you know there's going to be this onslaught. And it's getting more and more uh, intense, you know, that, that people are bringing these things up and they're kind of they're driving by and bashing your faith or, or our faith. So we're, we're going through this series for that particular reason. And, you know, I can think of so many situations where I've been there and I've been on the other side of it. And here's one of the things that you're going to find that people don't do. People generally don't take shots at Jesus. They don't. Now, they will take shots at you. They will take shots at your church. And they will take shots at the Bible. Uh, they'll take shots at their bad Christian experience. You know, you, you, they may ask you a question, and then they'll go on this banter about, well, I used to go to church, and I had this horrible church experience. And they go on and on and on, and then all of a sudden they change the subject, and you can't even say anything, right? Or they'll ask this question, uh, you know, do, do you really, really follow the Bible? You know, because I know a lot of people who say they do, and they don't. And you're like, and you want to answer, and they change and move on to the next subject. Okay, and, and, you know, this is something that, that people deal with, that we deal with. Now, here's another thing is what to say when there's little time and even little interest. 
Okay, and one of these time, one of those situations where people are is they are, are are saying something to you, but they're not really asking you, "Hey, tell me about Jesus." No, these aren't that type of people. Okay, these are people that basically kind of just want to drive by, bash your faith a little bit, vent a little bit about how they feel about Christianity, and then move on. And so they're not. And so what, what I want to try to equip us with today is something that we can use. So that when the holidays come around or when a situation at work comes around, you're going to have an answer for what to say when you're put in that situation. Now, I have a confession to make. Uh, I used to be a basher when I was a high school student. See, I had two sisters that were Christians, followers of Jesus. And so I would do that. I would drive by and, and kind of bash them. But let me tell you something. Because they were very tactful, and one of my sisters in particular, it was, it was something I it planted a seed because sometimes we only may get one shot at talking to somebody about our faith. And it may only be really short. So what are you going to say that's going to stick with them and that they can think about later as far as why you believe what you believe and why you follow Jesus? Okay. And so this is what to say when there's little time and even less interest. And we're going to look at uh, Peter, uh, the fisher guy. You know, and Peter was a fisherman. And, and he was a very, very high-powered. But, you know, it happened on one particular day where he was fishing. And he got in from fishing and he was fixing his nest. And there was a very prominent teacher that came to, came to town, a rabbi. And as he was fixing his nets, he overheard Jesus speaking. And he was listening. And after Jesus had got done speaking, Jesus came over to Peter. And so you know, a fisherman wasn't like it is today. These, these are people in that time and, and, and place. They're very prominent because they probably got the boat passed on to them by their father. And if you had a boat, you were considered extremely wealthy. It would be like having a well-marketed store. It, it, it's just going to, you're going to make some, some, some money. And Peter was very prominent. He had his, his whole deal going on. And so he's fixing his nets on one afternoon, and, and Jesus finishes his sermon, and Jesus comes over to him and says, Hey, Peter, can we go fishing? And Peter kind of shakes his head because he was out all night fishing the night before and basically says, You know, I, I know you work in construction, but you really don't fish in the middle of the day with nets. See, because the fish go down. You have to fish at night. And Jesus comes back and says, no, 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 you don't understand. I really want to go fishing with you today, Peter. I mean now. And so Peter's put in a position where he knows it's not, but he's, he's, a, he's a rabbi. He's, he's very, he's very high-powered. So he goes, okay, you know, I'll humor the guy, and I'll be respectful. And so I'll take the guy fishing because you say so, Jesus. I'm going to take you fishing. So they go fishing in the middle of the day. And Peter's probably pretty cynical. He's like, okay, let's just get this done. So I can get a couple hours of sleep because i got to get up and do this tonight again. So they're out there. And Jesus says, hey, Peter, how about right here? So, yeah, throws the nets in and pulls up the nets. And the nets are full. And they fill up one boat. He has to wave his other friends, James and John, and they fill up two boats Peter is blown away. He's never seen this in his life as a fisherman. He's never heard of this. 
You do not catch that many fish in the middle of the day. He knows. He falls to his knees, and he realizes this is miraculous. This is supernatural. Something is going on. And so Peter is there in front of Jesus, recognizing who Jesus is, and Jesus asks him a question. Hey, Peter, how about a career change? How about you go from being a fisher of fish to a fisher of men? And you know the crazy thing about this story? Peter said yes. And Peter steps onto the pages of history. We may have never heard anything about Peter, but because that day Peter said yes, it changed everything. 2,000 years we're talking about Peter. And not only did Peter say yes, his brother Andrew said yes. James and John, the guys who were in the other boat, they said yes, and they go to follow Jesus. But you know one of the most amazing things about Peter is Peter followed Jesus you know, full of faith for three years, but then when they arrested and crucified Jesus, Peter's faith went from here to here. His faith went from 60 to zero, and he denied Jesus. He said, I don't even know Jesus. But then, after a couple of days, Jesus shows up with Peter and says, hey, Peter, let's have breakfast. And so they ate fish together, and it changed everything. Peter goes from zero to 60 again, full of faith, becomes this this amazing preacher, teacher. I mean, he impacts thousands of people. He's very high-powered and makes a huge difference for Jesus. And the amazing story about that is, you know, why, Peter, did you make this huge change? And Peter basically says, you know, when you meet a guy and he predicts, he tells you that he's going to die in this certain way. He predicts his death. And then he tells you, I'm going to raise from the dead in three days. And then he does it. You follow that guy. And that's Peter's testimony. It changed everything. So we're going to pick it up. Peter's going to give us some tidbits. He's going to give us some things that we can, we can say and we can be prepared for what we believe when we get put on the spot at school, by a classmate, at work, or, you know, our famous family reunions when people love to bash us for our faith. Okay, 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 13. And this is Peter's letter to the churches in Asia Minor. He says, who's going to harm you if you're eager to do good? But even if you should suffer for what is right, you are blessed. Do not fear their threats, nor be frightened. So when Peter's writing this, let me give you a little history. What was going on with Christians at this time was not like it is today. You know, that I have a religion and my religion's better than your religion. Not, not, no, we're not talking about that. We're talking about this could put your life in danger. If you followed Jesus, if you said you're a follower of Jesus, they could take your life. You know, what's the worst that could happen to us today as Christians? I mean, really, for following Jesus, for going to church, for reading the Bible, what's the worst thing in the United States of America that can happen to us? You know, people may talk bad about you, right? They may put you down. They may say some negative things about you. 
More than that, maybe, maybe you'll lose a job. Maybe you'll lose an interview. Maybe you'll lose a relationship. You know, you're, you're dating somebody and they find out you're a Christian. And you go, yeah, I don't know about that whole Christian thing. I think I'm going in a different direction. That's the worst that can happen. But I want you to understand, do you know that today, right now, in our world, not in the United States, but in our world, It is one of the most dangerous times for Christians in certain places in our planet. Do you know that? And so Peter's saying this, listen, who's going to harm you if you're doing good? And even if you should suffer for what's white, you should be blessed. Don't fear their threats. Don't be frightened. So Peter, why, why are you not frightened? See, because on various occasions after Jesus' resurrection, they tried to kill Peter. They killed his best friend, James, and they tried to kill him. Peter, why aren't you afraid? Why are you telling us? He says, not only just don't be afraid, take action. He goes on, and this is where we're going to get the theme for this series. He says in verse 15, he says, but in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. In other words, set apart, set Jesus up as Lord of your life. In other words... Why are you doing what you do? Do you have a reason? And what, what, is, what is the motivation that you have in your life for doing what you do? Is it about you? Is it about a relationship? Is it about money? Is it about stuff? Why do you do what you do? And if you're a follower of Jesus, what Peter is saying here is you've got to put Jesus at the top of why you do what you do. And then he goes on to say, always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. So be prepared. Always be prepared. Now, what Peter's not saying is, don't be prepared to explain your worldview of your Christian faith. That's not what he's saying. In fact, how do we know that Jesus, or, or Peter is saying, you know, don't be, be prepared to explain the reason why you believe in the Bible. He's not saying that. Or he's not saying, be prepared to defend why you believe that, that everything was created in six days. Because there are books on this. He's asking that you need to be prepared with a concise, clear answer of why you believe what you believe. Like in a in one statement, in one line, can you say that? And, and not what we believe, but the reason for the hope that you have. What's your hope as a Christian, really? What do you believe? And can you explain it in a, in, a, in a one line, in one sentence, can you explain why you do what you do, why you're different? And Peter says, you need to be prepared for that. You need to be prepared to give an answer. Not a long answer because people aren't interested in that, but a clear, concise answer. So that's what we're going to look at. Peter's going to help us out at what is the answer when somebody kind of gives you a hit and run about your faith. And so this is the big question that we're going to ask you, and I'm going to ask you today is, why have you chosen to follow Jesus? Really? You know, I asked the teachers that this morning. On a Sunday morning, why are you here at 8.30 on a Sunday morning dressed in these color shirts? And not just do it today. Do it 
every Sunday for several months. Basically, give up your sleep on Sunday morning. Why do you do that? Why do you do what you do? That's a huge question. And, and Peter's saying you've got to be prepared to give an answer to that, to that question. And here's his answer. And we're going to look at it. First Peter, what's the reason for the hope that you have, Peter? Tell me, Peter, why you're willing to risk your life, why you gave up your fishing career, the nets and all that stuff, and, and you, you changed everything. Why, Peter? And it's this simple statement, the resurrection. We talk about this every Easter. What's the one event that changed everything? And you could say, well, you know, here's the reason for my faith. I, I started to study the Bible, and my life was a wreck, and, and, I, and I started to, to, to study the Bible, and my whole life changed. You know, that's really great. But, you know, if it wasn't for the resurrection, you couldn't say that. See, everything we are about hangs on the resurrection. And let's look at what Peter said here. He says here, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, in great mercy, he has given us new birth in a living hope through what? The resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. So everything is encapsulated in the resurrection. And if someone to ask you, why do you do what you do? It's because Jesus rose from the dead. That's the one event. He goes on and he says in chapter 1, verse 21, a little further on in this verse, he says, Through him you believe in God who raised him from the dead and glorified him, and your faith and hope is in God. Why is my faith and hope in God? Because Jesus rose from the dead. He predicted it. It happened. And then they had breakfast together. Here, here's how simple it is. Peter, why do you believe what you believe? See, I saw a guy... He died, he predicted his death, and then we had breakfast together. It's that simple. If somebody does that, I follow him, I follow them. And it's very powerful. And then he goes on to say, when you have that conviction, be very careful. And I want to talk about this because he says, he goes on in verse 15, he says, but do this with what? Say it with me. Gentleness. Gentleness and what? Respect. Now, let me just tell you this. In America, we have done a really bad job at this. Evangelicals, non-denominational Christians, we've done a really bad job at this. Gentleness and respect. See, let me tell you why. See, in the United States, the evangelicals thought they were, and we thought we were, a majority and this happens not only in religion, it happens in politics, it happens at school, it happens anywhere. When you think you're a majority, you automatically assume that you have authority. And what do you do with that authority that you assume you have? You disrespect people. And this is what we've done in America. Christians, evangelicals, they've disrespected because people don't agree. Now understand this, people aren't wrong because they do it on purpose. It's they don't know better. If you're wrong and you don't know better, how do you, what's the approach that you want people to have with you? To bash you? To bully you? To insult you? And I gotta make a confession. I think sometimes when we're in church, and years ago when I was a young preacher, we'd have all these people in a room together and we were the majority. 
So we'd have at people who weren't followers of Jesus. And it was not gentle, and it was not respectful. People get offended. Is that the right approach? Did Jesus do that? You know, Jesus was the hardest with people who knew better. But with people that didn't know better, he was gentle. And he didn't disrespect them. So Peter says, do this when you have a conviction about something, about Jesus and the resurrection. Do it with gentleness, keeping a clear conscience. And what he's saying here with a clear conscience is, make sure your life backs up what you believe. See, because if your, your conscience is not clear, you've got to ask yourself the question, maybe I'm not living what I believe. And there's some shadows, there's some areas of my life that uh, wouldn't say it really goes with the Christian faith. And Peter says that. And he goes on to say, so that those who speak maliciously against you, against your good behavior in Christ, may be ashamed of their slander. And here's the truth. When we're around people that want to do what's right and we're the people that want to do what's wrong, what do we do with those people? What do we do with those, that one individual that stands up and says, I want to do what's right? And the majority of us want to do what's wrong. Question is, why do we criticize people for doing the right thing? I mean, you've been there. I've been there, right? You've been a part of the majority and you're doing the wrong thing. And then there's one guy, there's one woman, there's somebody who shows up and they say, yeah, yeah, yeah. And we, and we criticize them. Who do you think you are? Jesus? Who are you? And we, so we, we criticize them, we put them down. And what's the reason why we do that? Because deep down inside, we question whether we're doing the right thing. And in many times, we know we're doing the wrong thing, and we don't like that someone else is ruining our good time, good time. So we bash them. Now, I used to do this with my sisters. I'd make fun of them before I was a Christian. But let me tell you, let me let you into my, my real conscience. See, I felt bad about it on the inside. I'd make fun of them. And this is something you guys need to understand in high school. When people make fun of you, they're really on the inside feeling conscience-stricken about their behavior. They know they're doing the wrong thing, and they don't like the fact that you confront them. Even with gentleness and respect, it still makes them feel uncomfortable. You know, I've, I've seen it. In, in so many occasions. So, what is the one thing that is unassailable? Selfless, generous, compassionate living is unassailable. In other words, it's, you can't defend it. Or you absolutely can't, you can't refute it. It's, 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 it's perfect. It's powerful. And so what's going what's gonna to help people to see what we believe, and if we really believe it. Selflessness, generosity, and compassionate living. And the holidays are coming up. If you want to follow Jesus the way Jesus intended, what's your plan for Thanksgiving? What's your plan for the holidays? Have you made a plan yet? And if you're a follower of Jesus, I want to encourage you I want to encourage you to do something good for somebody else. I want to encourage you to be selfless, generous, 
compassionate. Because what are people going to say? You know, and right now in our world today, yeah, there's a lot of people bashing, you know, Christianity, the Christian faith. There's a lot of things that are happening, but you need to understand that there are people that are doing this around the world, and it's so powerful. I want to introduce you. This guy's name is, is Kent Brantley. You've probably seen his name or seen his face in the news. He was the, the, the first one brought here to the United States with Ebola. Took him into Atlanta, and he's doing great. But do you know why he was there in Nigeria? His story is incredible. See, because they're sending all these, these health workers into Nigeria, into Sierra Leone, into Liberia. But this guy was here before the outbreak happened. He's a medical missionary. And he's from Fort Worth, Texas, part of, you know, one of our, 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 our you know, fellowship of churches or, you know, sister churches, a church of Christ in Fort Worth. And this guy had it on his heart. I want to be a medical missionary. He went to med school, did his residency, and the first thing he did is get to, when he got out of med school in his residency was go to Africa and serve as a medical missionary. Dr. Kent Brantley, why do you do what you do? Can you tell us in a, in a, in a snippet? Can you tell us why you did what you did? And there was an interview with one of his fellow church members when he was in quarantine. And it was Anderson Cooper. He was interviewing this guy who knew him, and he says, I, ju I just got to say about Dr. Kent Brantley, Anderson, Anderson Cooper said this, I am blown away by this guy. He's a hero. Because he was there before the Ebola outbreak, and when the, when the outbreak happened, he moved from the clinic that he was in to move to another clinic that was ground zero for the outbreak of Ebola. He moved to the most dangerous place of getting Ebola and basically put himself in harm's way. Why do you do that? Because he has a tremendous selfless character. He's generous. He's compassionate. He could be making hundreds of thousands of dollars every year here in the United States as a medical doctor. He gave all that up for one reason, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And, and this, is, this is amazing. You know, there's so much stuff that you can see about what Christians are doing. There's a lot of talk about, you know, Ebola, and people are protesting with signs in front of the White House saying, we don't want any flights coming in from West Africa to the United States. Block all flights because people are scared of getting Ebola. Christian medical missionaries are just, they're going there, okay? They're, they're flying there to help these sick people. And you ask the question, why? And do you know that 30% of the continent of Africa, sub-Sahara Desert, 30%, it's the great majority of that huge continent, 30% of all health care, is provided by faith-based organizations. Did you know that? Why are so many people going there to help the poor and the needy? Because they understand that is what Jesus would want us to do in response for the resurrection. 
And we get, we're, all, we're all up in arms about, you know, ISIS and what, what's happening with ISIS in, in the Middle East. Do you know that in Nigeria, northern Nigeria, they've been beheading people, shooting people for the last three years? I mean, this stuff has been going on. It's not in the news, it's not in the headlines, but it's worse. It's been going on for 30 They have destroyed 185 Christian churches in Nigeria. There's genocide going on of Christians right now in Nigeria and in that part of Africa. And earlier this week, I was watching an interview with a guy who is a, a Christian talk radio host, and he described he was the lone survivor in his village who's a Christian. And they went in with masks, this group, this radical Islam group, they went in in the middle of the night with masks and house to house pulled out people from the house. They knew who they were, and they knew he was a Christian, so they dragged him out in front of the house, his wife and his two-year-old son were there watching the whole thing. And they put an AK-47 to his head and they said, you can live if you will deny your faith that you have in Jesus and proclaim Islam as your faith. If you don't, we will shoot you right here in front of your family. And so they asked him. And he said, I won't do it. I follow Jesus. I believe in Jesus. And they yelled at the wife and they told her, tell your husband, tell your husband right now that he, for your sake, for your family's sake, she was four months pregnant, his wife. And she's watching this whole thing. And they gave him one more chance. And he said, no, I believe in the resurrection. And I follow Jesus. And they shot him with an AK-47. The bullet, and he's got the scar, he's given the interview, went through his nose and, and basically pulled off this part of his face. He collapsed on the ground, lying in a pool of blood, and they thought he was dead. That night, they killed 14 other people the exact same way. He was the lone survivor. And they're interviewing and saying, what, what, is, what is your feeling about these terrorist groups? Do you hate them? No. He quoted Jesus. Jesus says that we have to love our enemies. And he asks us, Christian in the United States, to pray for our world leaders that God will give them wisdom to do something about the stuff that's going on in our world, whether you know it or not. And, you know, we have it on our newsletter, and I just want to say this. There's prayer requests on our newsletter. Do you pray for our brothers and sisters in the Middle East? We have six brothers and sisters of our sister church in Sudan. Six of them are missing. We don't know where they are. We can't reach them. They're gone. You know why they're gone? Because kidnapped, Christians are being kidnapped all the time. So why are these people going through this? And we have our comfortable lifestyles here in the United States. Why, why would these guys, Kent Brand, why would they do this? 
And look at what look at what he says here, Peter. He goes, "Remember, it is better to suffer for doing good if that's what God wants than to suffer for doing what's wrong." Let me tell you something about life. They're suffering. Anybody who thinks that there's no suffering in life and it's all good, they're completely mistaken. There's going to be some suffering in life. Now, why not suffer? Why not suffer for doing good? Why not get fired for doing the right thing instead of getting fired for doing the wrong thing? Why not have a a marriage that's in trouble for doing the right thing instead of doing the wrong thing? That's what Peter is saying. Why not get in trouble for doing the right thing? You're going to suffer. It's it's just part of life. But why not suffer for doing good instead of bad? And that's something we've got to think about. There's a lot of suffering going on in our world, but some of it is going on because of good. He goes on in verse 18. For Christ also suffered. Jesus knows. He's the model for us. He embraced suffering. Christ also suffered once for sins, for the the righteous, for the unrighteous, to bring you to God. Who did Jesus die for? Good people or bad people? Bad people. Says it right there. He died for me. He died for you. Jesus went through that for us. And you got to ask yourself, I mean, is my life all about convenience or am I willing to be inconvenienced for the benefit of someone else? If you do that and you live that way, it's irrefutable. You can't argue with that. And that's what's happening around the world with Christians who are are willing to lay it all down for Jesus right now. Not in the first century, second century, third century. Right now, our brothers and sisters are going through that. So, let's wrap it up. Why have you chosen to follow Jesus? What's your answer? A one-liner in one sentence. What's your reason? Peter Peter, what's your answer? Why why do you do what you do? You know, Dr. Kent Brantley, why do you do what you do? Those Christians that are being killed in, 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 in Nigeria all the time, why do you do what you do? And they can tell you. But do you have an answer for those drive bys at your family reunions and at school and at work? And so I'm going to help you today. I'm going to give you what Peter would say. What these Christians are saying in a one-liner. Okay, so tell me what you think about the book of Revelation. Is it literal or is it not? Hey, I, I don't know. Okay, was it six days in Genesis or 600,000 years? Which one is it? I, I don't know. You don't have to have all the answers. But you should have one. You should have one. And I'm not saying don't study your Bible and don't learn things, don't, you know, get, but what's really going to do it for you, what's really going to be your bedrock of why you believe what you believe, why you do what you do. And it has to do with the resurrection. 
Paul said it this way in chapter 15, verse 14. He said this. And if Christ has not been raised, our preaching is useless and so is your faith. What it's all about, it's all about is the resurrection. Everything hinges on the resurrection. And I appreciate the fact that your marriage has turned around and, and your life and you were able to get away from addiction and you were able to make all these changes. I appreciate all that. That's awesome. I have too. I've made incredible changes. But you know what made all that possible? None of that would happen if it weren't for the resurrection. I got help with my kids, I, my marriage, my family, et cetera, et cetera. Hey, that's all great. But the resurrection is the reason for all of that. And so I'm going to give you the, the, the statement. Here it is. This is what Peter would say. I believe that Jesus died for my sins and rose from the dead. Simple. Yeah, but what about the Old Testament and the New Testament and, and how they come in? How do you explain all the bad things that are happening in our world? If God is good, then how do you explain all the bad in our world? You know, there are books on that. If they really want to know the answer to that question, you can give them a book. But they're not wanting a dialogue. They're putting you on blast. And the answer that you need to give is the answer that Peter gave. And it's that this. Basically, I, I don't have all the answers to that. Now, next week, we're going to talk about the Bible and, you know, what you can say when people, you know, bash the Bible. And, and, and week three, we're going to talk about, you know, when bad things happen to good people and why are there bad things. We're going to address those things so you can be prepared. But this is the most important part of what you need to be prepared when somebody asks you for a reason for the, the hope that you have. I believe that Jesus died for my sins and rose from the dead. It's that simple. That's what Peter said. That's what the first century, that's what people are saying right now for their faith. And they're willing to put it all on the line. And here's an extra one. Okay, I believe that Jesus died for my sins and rose from the dead, but I don't believe it because the Bible says so. It's much better than that. Whoa, 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 wait, 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 time out. Okay, you're going to have to wait till next week to hear the second part of this one. Okay, this Thanksgiving when somebody does the drive-by and you say, I believe that Jesus died and rose for the, died for my sins and rose from the dead, but I don't believe it because the Bible says so. It's better than that. They're going to go, what, what, hey, t t and you just go. Mm. Just, mm. I don't, but I don't believe it because the Bible, you can even emphasize Bible because they love that. I don't believe because the Bible says so. It's much better than that. Don't say anything else. So what is it? If it's more than the Bible, what is it? I'll tell you next week. They say, but you can't just leave me. Your, your family or your friends who say, you can't just leave me hanging here. Well, that's what you've done for the last six years. You make your little comments, and, you know, but be gentle, be respectful, okay? But this is what we're going to be talking about. But more than anything, for those of you who are members of our church and those of you who follow Jesus, 
Can I ask you a question? What's the reason that you follow Jesus? And, and can you see it in your life? Because, you know, when I hear those stories about medical missionaries and I, and I see these people and I hear these interviews, you know, with people that got shot through the head and are still today in front of their family still proclaiming Jesus with great faith, with great conviction, I go, wow, what, what am I doing? You know, it's an inconvenience for some of us to get up early on Sunday morning. It's an inconvenience for some of us to, 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 to be there for somebody when they're in need. It's, it's an inconvenience to, to go out and serve the, the needy and the hungry, the homeless around the holiday season. I mean, come on, really? What is your motivation? And if you're a guest here today, just think about it. So let's say this together, all right? We're going to repeat it together. Now, if you're not a Christian, I'm not going to try to trap you into saying this, and then we'll turn it around on you, and you said it. Not going to do that, okay? You can just, mm, okay, you don't have to say it. But if, let's say this together, okay? You ready? This first part. I believe that Jesus One more time. I believe that Jesus died for my sins and rose from the dead. It's that simple. That's the answer you give people when they ask you for the reason. But if you say it, make sure that you back it up. Now, we're not talking about perfection because nobody is there. That's why Jesus died for my sin before and even some now. But we do our best to live the life that he asks us to live. Okay? And then, then next week we're going to look at this whole thing, but I don't believe it because the Bible says so. It's much better than that. Man, that just invites. That's just like, get me, tell me more. Mm, Got to wait. Okay? It's a great way talk to people. So, hey, I want to introduce somebody, a couple that's going to get baptized uh, later this afternoon. And, and th this, is, this is what's so awesome. When people come to faith, it is amazing to see how marriages are turned around. So uh, they're, they're here. Uh, you're all invited to a potluck uh, lunch at the Pryor's house in, in Glendora. But I'm going to have Dennis and, and Jenela. Where, where are you guys? If you guys could stand up. There they are. There's Dennis and Jenela. They're going to get baptized uh, today at 1, 1 p.m., right, at the prior's house. And uh, you're all invited to come. But uh, that, that's what's amazing is when you live this out, people notice, and there's hope in that. And uh, I'm, I'm very excited for you guys. So whether you're a young Christian or you've been around a long, long time, th this, this is it. This is the answer for when people want to know why you believe what you believe. Okay, so we're going to pray for the communion right now, and then you'll be dismissed. Father God, we thank you so much that right now we can celebrate what Jesus did for us. That we can remember his body and his blood that was given for us. We ask you, God, to forgive us for the times that we have not stood firm on our faith. 
Uh, Father, we, we were afraid and we caved. God, forgive us for the times that, that we didn't stand strong. And I pray that you'll help us to get our faith stronger and to live out what we believe. Uh, God, thank you so much for the Christians that are, are giving their life for so many others, the selfless, generous, compassionate lives that they're living around the world. We, we want to pray right now, God, for our brothers and sisters in Western Africa with the Ebola outbreak, for the children, but also, God, for, the, for the, the persecution, the real persecution that's taking place in the Middle East and also in Africa and around the world, God. People's lives are being threatened. Please protect them and be with our world leaders that they will take a stand, God, that they will be and what they need to be and they will be wise and that we can have a world full of peace and that we can have the freedom as we do here, right here today, to talk about Jesus. God, we thank you for this communion that we can remember Jesus. Please help us this week to start fresh and live what we believe about the resurrection. We honor Jesus right now. We remember him, and it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.